so if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to be. Um, And I'm going to read some verses uh, before I get there, but you don't need to turn there. And so today, in Proverbs chapter 1, you can either use an old school Bible, you can use an electronic version or whatever where we have the notes for you, a tablet, a smartphone, or some of the scriptures, or the scriptures are going to come up on the side screens as well. And so today we start a journey through one of my favorite books of the Bible, which is Proverbs. I've told you uh, that Proverbs is probably the book that I've read the most. Uh, When I came to Christ, my life was radically changed by him. Uh, I came to Christ in my 20s. My life completely changed, and and, uh, it totally changed the trajectory of my life. But one of the books that God used greatly in my life is the book of Proverbs. And so for many years, I have read the book of Proverbs daily. I still read it daily. I do our life journaling. And then I do the Proverbs of that calendar day. I, I correlate the chapter and, and read Proverbs. And so we're starting out a series for the next eight weeks as we walk through the book of Proverbs. And we're going to grab some of the subjects and some of the, uh, of, of the major themes of the book. And so today I've entitled the talk of this sermon, or the, I've entitled this sermon, uh, The Most Important Thing. And so really and truly, have you ever determined in your life what is the most important thing? I mean, have you ever sat down and determined your priorities in life and said, what are the most important things for me in my life? Have you ever determined your values and your priorities and all of those other things? You see, Solomon, who wrote most of the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs is really and truly the journal entries. It's being, being able to peer over the shoulder of someone and look into their life journaling moments. And so the book of Proverbs comes out of Solomon's life to where he journaled some things about his, uh, about, about life and about how to make decisions and all of those other things. And something happened in Solomon's life. Solomon uh, was asleep and God came to him in a dream and God asked him a question. And God asked him a question and made him a promise. And God asked him a question and said, Solomon, whatever you want, you just tell me, I'll give it to you. You just tell me whatever you want and, and whatever it is, I'll just give it to you. Can you imagine what a deal? Can you imagine if God did that to you? Can you imagine if God came to you and said, hey, whatever you want, just tell me and I'll bless you. I'll give it to you. What would you ask for? Would you ask for a new car? Would you ask for a new job? Would you ask for more money? Would you ask for a vacation? Would you ask to live somewhere else? Uh, Would you ask for different circumstances, different situation? Would you ask for a different husband? Would you ask for a different wife? Would you ask for different children? I mean, what would you ask for? Because let me tell you something. The way in which you answer that question will determine your priorities in life. See, Solomon was that guy that God forced him to determine his priorities in life. And so God asked Solomon in a dream and said, Solomon, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. It's an amazing thing what Solomon did. Solomon just simply told God, God, here's what I want. I want wisdom. Just give me wisdom. Just give me wisdom, the ability to make responsible, best decisions in life, to, to like lead your people, to lead your children. And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And as a result of that, you see Solomon's life, he lived his life so much different than anybody else. He was one of the smartest men that, that history has ever known. He was one of the most wealthiest men that his time had ever known. And all of a sudden you see that God blessed his life greatly because he had this ability of wisdom. Now, now listen, let me tell you something. The book of Proverbs is a, is a realistic real book of how to handle life of how to how to make best decisions uh how to make good choices 
how to handle situations in life. And so the Apostle Paul talked about this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. And the Apostle Paul said this, that there's a difference between a good decision and a best decision. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But there's a difference between making a good decision and a best decision. You see, I, I think a lot of times in the Christian life, the easy decisions for the Christian is, is sin or not to sin, right? I mean, those are kind of the black and white questions that, that am I going to sin, am I not going to sin, and it's just kind of black and white. But there's another area of life, those areas of life to where, where the Bible has given us some permission, the Bible has given us some, some choices, and all of a sudden, as a believer, we have to determine, are we going to make a good decision, or are we going to make a best decision? Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. Paul said this, Paul says, Everything is law, many things are lawful for me, but just because they're lawful for me doesn't mean that they're beneficial for me, doesn't even mean that they're helpful for me. And so the Apostle Paul says you have to live a life, and you have to live in a life in such a way that you do what is responsible, not what is, resp what is permissible. That you come to that place in life and realize that, you know what, there is a difference between a good decision and a best decision. There is a d difference in a decision that is responsible to where, anyway, to where Paul would say that, that where you make a decision that is for the building up of others or that is for helpful for others or is beneficial for others. And many times in life, that's where the believer struggles. That's where the believer struggles, the difference between a good decision and a best decision. And so Solomon would tell us this. Solomon would tell us that the key to life is this issue of wisdom, how to make responsible decisions, how to make best decisions in life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, here's what he says, and then we'll get to Proverbs chapter 1. He says, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, he says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. In other words, what you're going to learn is this issue of wisdom. Wisdom is a learned behavior. Wisdom is something that you and I learn as we walk through life and we take God's principles and we take God's word and we apply it to our life and we apply it to our situations and we apply it to our relationships and to our circumstances. In verse 8, he goes on, and you prize her highly and she, she will exalt you, she will bless you. She will honor you if you will embrace her. So we understand that as we head into this series in, in Proverbs, you understand this about Proverbs. Proverbs has about two different purposes. One is to give moral skillfulness in life, to make decisions and to make right decisions and to make best decisions and all of those other things. And the second thing is this. Proverbs is there is to give us mental discernment, to we're able to discern out decisions in life in the way that we should go and the choices that we should make. So Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, we'll read seven verses. And, and let me just tell you something. This is a long intro. We'll get to the three points. I, just, I didn't say this in the early service, and so, but I noticed some of the type A people were getting really stressed. Like, when is he going to get to these points? And then how long is this sermon going to be? If we're in, we, Man, we've been at this a long time, and we're not even to the points. And so you guys just hang on. There's some things that we need to understand. So Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. So now we know who the writer is. Son of David. Now we know who he is. I mean, he's son of King David. He goes on, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a Proverbs and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, a, a foolish person is that person that doesn't want anyone speaking in their life. They don't want anybody telling them what to do or how to do life or all of those other things. And all of a sudden, uh, Solomon begins talking about this issue of, of wisdom, that wisdom is a learned behavior. Wisdom is something that we develop over time. And when we take God's word and we apply it to our situation, just a working definition of wisdom is this, or a biblical definition of wisdom is this. Wisdom is the ability in someone's life to see the problem, but to know how to respond to the problem in a way in which God wants them to respond. See, wisdom is much more than just seeing the problem. Like, anybody can see the problem, right? I mean, anybody can see a problem in a relationship. Anybody can see a problem in situations. Anybody can see a problem in a, in a circumstance. I mean, I, I can see a problem with, with my car. I mean, I can come out in the morning, there, there's, there's fluid on, on, on the pavement, and I can see, you know what, that's a problem. But I don't know how to fix it. I mean, I don't have any insight into that. And so wisdom is much deeper than just being able to see the problem. Wisdom is the ability to see the problem, but know how God wants you to respond in that situation and in that problem. Wisdom is something in my life, and wisdom is something in your life that is developed over a period of time. Wisdom is learning to respond to life's situations, circumstances, people in a way in which God wants you to respond. See, a lot of people think that they, or, or a lot of people do, they make decisions based upon what they think is right. In other words, they make decisions based upon either what they think is right or maybe their best friend thinks is right or maybe some self-help book thinks is right. But here's what Proverbs says. Here's what Solomon says, the problem with that in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Solomon says this. He says, there is a way. I mean, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, but in the end, it, it does not end well for them. In the end, it ends in death. See, wisdom, I'm just telling you, wisdom is the ability, or wisdom is the thing that will keep you from self-inflicting pain on yourself, from inflicting pain on others. See, wisdom is, wisdom is what keeps you and I from being able to live life based upon our feelings, based upon our emotions, based upon our circumstances, based upon a desire for immediate gratification or whatever. I mean, wisdom is this issue that, that keeps us from, it protects us from pain. I mean, how many times, and please don't answer this out loud, uh, how, how, how many times have you made a decision or have I made a decision that I thought was really a great idea at the time? I mean, I, I, I thought it was right, and it didn't end so well. How many times have you made a decision, and you made that decision, you determined what was right without ever considering what God might say about that subject, how God might want you to respond in that situation, and all of a sudden, it did not end well for you. See, Jesus talked about this, this principle. The fact is, this principle of the difference between a good decision and a best decision or a, or a responsible decision and not just what is permissible is all the way through Scripture. And Jesus talked about this a little bit differently. And so Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He's responding to a bunch of Pharisees and scribes and all these other things. And so, so he just tells them, and he says, watch this, verse 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so, in other words, what Jesus said, you should have done all of these. You should have done all of these. And he goes on, you blind guides, straining a, a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean. So here we go. We're going to talk about wisdom. So he says, so, so here's how you live life. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. In other words, all you care is about appearance. All you care is about a form of godliness. All you care is about the externals of life. You don't care about anything of, of the internals of life. And so he goes on and he goes deeper and he says, but inside, but inside there's all kinds of bad stuff going on. Inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. And he goes on and he says, you blind Pharisees, first, here we go, first clean the inside of the cup. This is what Proverbs tells us. This is what wisdom tells us. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate and that the outside also may be clean. In other words, what Jesus said, you know how to live the Christian life? You clean the inside of the cup first. You can't clean the inside of the cup and the outside, the actions will, will take, take care of themselves. Religion tells you this. Religion says you only worry about the outside of the cup. You only worry about having a form of godliness. You only worry about doing some religious things to give you some respectability. See, most people in life, and especially in the culture in which we live, they just want to make a good impression. We live in a culture, and you know this, but we live in a culture and a society. And our culture and society, you know what we focus on? The culture and society focuses on the externals. It focuses on the behaviors. And Proverbs will say, you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is this. Wisdom is when we focus on the inside of the cup and, and where our identity is. And our identity is in Christ and our identity is in his word. See, in the culture in which we live, you don't have to live like a Christian. You just have to look like one. And Proverbs would say, and Jesus would say, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 23, and this is so, such a dangerous way to live. In other words, in our culture, you don't have to be a great man or woman of character. You just have to give the appearance of being a great person of character. In, in this culture in which we live, you, you don't have to be a person of integrity. You just have to give the appearance, just the outward appearance of being a man or a woman of, in, of inter, integrity. You don't... In this culture, you don't have to be a great business person. You just have to give the, the appearance of being a great business person. In the culture in which we live, you don't really have to care about people. You just have to give the appearance of caring about people. In, in our culture, you don't have to be a great husband. You don't have to be a great wife. As long as when you're out in public and when you're with friends and you're in society and all those other things, as long as you just give an appearance, you just give an appearance of being a great husband or a great wife. See, in the culture in which we live in 2015, we live lives or our culture lives lives that is what Scripture would say is outside of the cup living. And unfortunately, our culture gives tremendous rewards for outside of the cup living. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus had one word for that style of living, one word for that lifestyle. And he just said, woe to you. Just woe to you. See, woe in the Greek means this, great sorrow to you, great pain to you, great pain. And in other words, what Jesus says, woe to the man, woe to the woman that's living superficial lives. Woe to the man, woe to the woman that is living a life that only cares about the outside, only cares about the, the superficial things. He said, great sorrow to you, great sorrow, what Jesus is saying when you live 
a life outside of the cup living. In other words, what Jesus says, I'm just so sorry, but that cup won't hold water. And so Jesus was talking about this issue. And Proverbs is talking about this issue. Wisdom is talking about this issue of living superficial lives. Fact is, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the writer of Timothy goes even deeper into this. And he says, he says, watch this, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. All of a sudden, he starts describing, this is after Jesus, he starts describing out of, out of the cup living. Lovers of money, proud and arrogant and abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here we go, verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness. Uh, we only care about the outside of the cup. That's all we care about. Just have an appearance. You just, you, listen, you don't have to live like a Christian. You just got to look like a Christian. And he goes on and he says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And then it's just such a, a strong warning. And he just simply says, avoid these people. Just avoid these people because they may influence you. The sad thing is this, is we live in a time and we live in a culture where we're just kind of holding on to a form of godliness. And the problem with that is this, it is empty and it is hollow. And there is something, there's something powerful about a man or a woman or a student or people who walk with God in their life, trust Him in good times and bad times. There's something powerful whenever you're around that individual that you just, you just know. You just know they spend time in His Word and they spend time with Him and there's, there's something different about that individual. If you study history, you study, you study civilizations and, and you will learn that every, every generation lowers the bar from the previous generation. See, just telling you what Jesus would say, what Solomon says in Proverbs, what, what the book of James says, and we'll look at that. Outside the cup living is empty. Outside the cup living, it may have a form of godliness, but no power in your life. In other words, there'll be no power in your life. You may, you may look the part. And you may decide that I, I can live however I want. I can make any decisions that I want. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Is, as long as I look like a Christian, then I'm okay. And the Bible would say that's a dangerous way to live. This illustration would kind of reveal my age, but I think, I think there's a lot of Clairol Christians. Remember the, the Clairol commercial? And I mean, I think this is like 20, 30 years ago. You know, Clairol, was, I don't even know if they still make it because obviously I don't need it. Uh, <laughs> I think you have to have hair to need it. Uh, but it was, like a, it was like a hair dye company, Clairol. And the tagline line in the commercial was, it, Clairol is so good, only your hairdresser will know for sure. There are some Christians that live life in such a way, only God knows. Only God knows for sure if you're a believer or not. See, there's something special about that man or that woman or that person that when you're just around them, that you know, 
you just know there's something different about them. Listen, let me tell you something. If, if, you, if you don't know why you believe what you believe, then your Christianity is irrelevant. Your Christianity has no real power. Listen, if, if you're not worshiping God and, in the, and asking him to clean the inside of the cup, then all you can ever hope for in life is just this form of godliness that has no meaning really in your life, that has no power in your life. And what Jesus was trying to get, get the, his audience to understand and hear is that he wants, to, he wants to clean the inside of the cup. And then the outside of the cup just takes care of itself. And whatever happened, whatever happened just to live in a holy life, live in a life that just agrees with biblical principles, live in a life that is just counterculture with the culture of the day, live in a holy life that is inside the cup living to where we make choices every day and we make decisions in such a way that honors God and honors his word to where we take his word and we read it and we apply it to our situation to where we learn to pursue godly character. So over time, we develop this godly wisdom and when we go into a circumstance and we go into a situation, we have this ability to take his word and apply it directly into our situation. And as we do that, and as we see blessing, just like in Solomon's life, all of a sudden we, we get wisdom, we gain wisdom, we learn wisdom, to where we come to the place where we say, God, clean the inside of the cup. Listen, the older I get and the longer I'm in ministry, I just really realize that people just want to know, are you real? Not are you perfect, not do you have everything together, but are you real? Do you really live like that? Do you really take his word and do you apply them directly into your situation in your life? Because God has called us to make an impact in life. And when we live super, superficial lives and we just want to make a good impression, we'll never make an impact in life. Listen, a, a popular person may make a nice impression, but a holy person makes a, makes a different in, difference in life and Jesus was just simply saying, your time is just so short. Man, your time is just so short. And if you're going to live and take on a form of godliness, great sorrow, great grief awaits you in this form of godliness. And God is calling us to take our Christianity to the next level. I mean, we live in a superficial society, and the way that we know we live in a superficial society is when the, the Kardashians and Caitlyn Kardashian and Taylor Swift like dominate the headlines. And some people know more about the Kardashians and Taylor Swift and what they like and what they don't like and the choices they make and the choices they don't make than they know what even scripture says. And we live in a society that all we can talk about is outside of the cup. All we can talk about is maybe to legislate morality or new laws or all of those other things in a superficial society. All we want to do is just try to look good and and God wants us to live lives differently. God wants us to live in the marketplace to where we, we represent him and, and we live life differently. See, people with a form of godliness, outside the cup type people, will only follow... That scared me. Will only follow God. Will only follow God in good times. I'm just telling you, if you're an outside the cup person... When challenges come, when difficulty come, when a dry season comes, 
when questions come, you will fall away. You'll fall away because it's just a form. It's just a shadow. And so I want to give you three things just as we close together in, in, in this sermon. I want to give you three things that if you want to develop, if you want to develop this biblical wisdom that where you get it and you gain understanding and you're able to make responsible decisions, you're able to make best decisions in situations that honor him, I want to give you three things. The first one is this, is you have to come to the place where you spend time in his word. You have to come to the place where you honor his word and it's something of discipline. Listen, let me tell you something. If you're ever around somebody and there's just something a different, different about them, they have like this spiritual depth. Listen, it didn't, it didn't come easy. It came because they disciplined their life and there were some disciplines they did. There was this, like this private walk in the Christian life. Proverbs would say this. Proverbs 1.5 says this. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who instructs obtain guidance. To understand a Proverbs and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, wisdom will teach you how to make best decisions. Wisdom will teach you how to make responsible decisions. Wisdom will teach you how to act in every circumstance and situation in your life. And we live in a society, we live in a world that's looking for answers. When you just look at some statistics of counselors and psychologists, do you realize 56% of the people that are in counseling right now are baby boomers? Our society is looking for questions or looking for answers. Their life and their lifestyle has left them empty. And so you and I have a choice. You can either get wisdom from the world or you can get wisdom from the word. You can either get wisdom from the world or you can get wisdom from God. And what Proverbs is telling us, what Solomon is telling us, is this, is that the only place to get wisdom, the only place to get biblical wisdom is from him and from his word. The problem is, most people know more about what the world says than what God's word says. Jesus was asked a, Jesus was asked a question. And they asked him a, a question, and they, they asked him, they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And so uh, he, he, he basically gave them two. He said, well, l let me just give them to you in the priority. He said, he said, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, what Jesus said, okay, so the greatest commandment, and, and he gave us a priority, and that's so important for this society. So he gave us a priority. The priority is this, love God, love people. That's the priority. That's the priority. That our love of God is the foundation, is the resource to love people. And the problem is in life, you can never get your loves, if you will, reversed. There's a lot of people that all of a sudden they'll elevate man. And whenever you love man more than you love God, it will always create problems in your life. And what the Bible is telling us is this, is that we got to keep our loves in order. we got to keep our loves in priority. And our first love is God, his word, his instructions, his wisdom, and all of those other things, biblical principles. And then out of that, out of that, we love people. We love the word, and we love the word of God over, the, over people. Uh, there's a, there's a, a famous, and you may not know of him, but in Texas he's famous. In, in Houston, Texas, there's a Methodist preacher by the name of Charles Allen. And he had a very, very large church. He had a mega church before mega churches were, were, were even popular. And so if you were in his church and you set an appointment for him for counseling, you'd walk in and, and before, before he'd even let you say your problem, even let you say your issue, he'd just look across the, the table at you and says, let me ask you this, are you reading God's word currently? Just tell me about that. And if you said no, he'd say, 
we're here. Before we go any farther, let me give you a, let me give you a reading plan. I want you to read scripture for the next seven days. And at the end of seven days, if you still have a problem, if you still have an issue, then you come and see me. But listen, if you're not gaining insight from God, if you're not submitting to him, then I can never help you. And he would send them away. It's amazing the number of testimonies that he has that came out of his ministry over 45 years. That the number of people, when they got into God's word, it just kind of, they got the answer. It just kind of took care of itself. So the first thing is this, is you've got you to read his word. The second thing is this, it doesn't stop there. Uh, you, you let his word guide you. In other words, what Jesus said was this. Jesus says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman that not only hears the word of God, but applies the word of God to their life. Uh, Solomon put it this way in verse 1. He said, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. In other words, what Solomon is telling us is the issue of wisdom. You've you got to love God's word. And you've got to come to the place where you honor God's word and you read it and you apply it to your life. In other words, what Solomon said, what Jesus said, what James said, what Paul said is this, is the Bible has no real power in your life unless you're willing to read it and you're willing to apply it to your life to your life. In other words, Solomon said, you want to know the secret of life? You want to know the secret to a successful life? Just read God's word and be willing to apply it to your situation and your circumstance. And the third and the last thing is this, if you want to get this godly wisdom as we start this journey out in, wisdom, in, in Proverbs together, and we're going to deal with a lot of issues in Proverbs, it's going to be a fun eight weeks. The third and the last thing is this, trust God and not yourself. That's hard. I mean, if we're just honest here this morning, that's hard, right? Especially when we've had some experience, especially when we've come across that situation before. Isn't it, isn't it sometimes hard just to trust God instead of yourself? Well, well here's, what, here's what he says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not, and do not lean on your own understanding. I mean, it goes back to what Solomon said in Proverbs 14. There is a way that seems right to every man. There's a way that seems right to every man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And how many times have we made decisions in thinking that it was the right thing, it was the best thing to do? And it just created so many problems in our, so many problems in our life. And then verse 6, he goes on, in all your ways, in all your ways, you like acknowledge him, you give him honor. And he, well, what a promise. You know, the, just real quickly, this is, this is like for free. And we'll just get this in really quickly. In Scripture, there's two types of promises. There's a conditional promise, and there's an unconditional, non-conditional promise. This is a conditional promise. If you do these things, I will do these things. That's what he's saying. If you'll do these things, if you'll get wisdom, if you'll trust in me, not lean on your own understanding. If you'll acknowledge me in all of your ways, if you'll take my word, and if you're willing to apply them to your situation, your profession, your career, your home, your marriage, your relationships, then guess what? I will make your path straight. You know, that's just an Old Testament way of saying, I'll bless your life. Solomon's living proof of that. He didn't ask God for money. He didn't ask God for blessing. He didn't ask God for things. He didn't ask God for, you know what he asked God for? God, you just give me wisdom. You just give me wisdom of how to make best decisions, how to make godly decisions, how to take your word, your scripture, and apply it to my life. And so the question for you this morning is, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting with your, your life? Are you trusting in yourself? 
Are you trusting what man thinks? A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Tom and I went for, for Chinese food, and, and so at the, end of, at the end of the meal, they brought us our check, and they brought us our, our fortune cookies, right? And so I always like to read mine. I mean, it's always, to me, it's interesting. And so here's what my fortune cookie said. It said, you will inherit an unexpected sum of money within a year. I'm like, woo-hoo, I am getting rich now, right? I mean, you got to believe it. The, the fortune cookie said it, you know? And so wouldn't you look at me and say, you know what? You're absolutely crazy planning your financial life on what a fortune cookie says. Well, there were lottery numbers on the back. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But you would tell me, you'd say, you know what? You're crazy. You're crazy. Why would you plan your financial life on, on the basis of what a fortune cookie says? That's not as crazy. It's trusting yourself. That's not as crazy with some of the things that people trust in. Our own wisdom. Our own intellect. What some self-help book says. What some expert says. What the world says. What society says. The Bible would say that's not even as crazy. It's trusting in your own, nat your own natural instincts. Because your natural instincts are headed. And they're headed for destruction. Every man's way seems right to him or to her. Because I don't know if you've learned this, but we can justify just about anything. But in the end, but in the end, it will inflict pain on you. That's why, that's why we get wisdom. That's when we trust in the Lord and we not lean on our own understanding and that we acknowledge him in all of our ways and that he will make our paths straight. 